Blog Talk Radio. singer, songwriter, guitarist, and fiddler. 
Haggard was born in Olydale, California during the Great Depression. His childhood was troubled after the death of his father, and he was incarcerated several times in his youth. After a release from Sam Quentin State Prison in 1960, he managed to turn his life around and launch a successful career in country music, gaining popularity with the songs about the working class that occasionally combined themes of contrary to the prevailing anti-Vietnam War statement of much popular music at the time. Between the 1960s and the 1980s, he had 38 number one hits on the U.S. country charts, several of which also made the Billboard all Air single chart. Haggard continued to release successful albums into the 2000s. One of those hits is our first song in remembering Merle Haggard and the music of Eastern years. Merle Haggard recalled the story of the mournful song of the UK magazine Uncut. It was written on a plane, a 707, coming out of Phoenix, Arizona, going to L.A. with Bonnie Owens. He said, I don't, he said, I looked out the window and saw those silver wings just gleaming. I thought, what a great premise for a song. Mr. Producer? Taking you away 
Somehow, in in our in our shows, uh, bumper yeah, music or right or whatever, but good words and good, uh, uh, real strong voice. Uh, of course, Merle Haggard has. Yeah. Well, he received many honors and awards for his music, including Kennedy Center Honor in 2010, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2006 a BMI Icon Award in 2006, and Introduction into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame, 1977, the Country Music Hall of Fame, 1994, the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame in 1997. He died on April 6, 2016, on his 79th birthday. He was at his ranch in Sasta, California, having recently suffered from double pneumonia. Haggard's parents were Flossie Mae Haggard and James Francis Haggard. Both were of Scottish descent. The family moved to California from their home in Chicota, Oklahoma, during the Great Depression, after their barn burned in 1934. Now, You talk about a rough and hard life. What you're about to hear is a story of a man totally out of control. Haggard committed a number of minor offenses, such as thefts and writing bad checks. He was sent to the juvenile detention center for shoplifting in 1950. When he was 14, Haggard ran away to Texas with his friend Bob Teague. He rode freight trains and hitchhiked throughout the state. When he returned the same year, he and his friend were arrested for robbery. Haggard and Teague were released when the real robbers were found. Haggard was later sent to the juvenile detention center from which he and his friend escaped to Modesto, California. He worked in a series of labor jobs, including driving a potato truck, being a short-order cook and a hay pitcher and an oil well shooter. And we know what that is now. I'll tell you later. His debut performance with Teague in Modesto Bar named Fun Center, for which he was paid $5 and given free beer. He returned to Bakersfield in 1951 and was arrested for truancy and petty larceny and sent to Juvenile Dissension Center. After another escape, he was sent to the Prison School of Industry, a high-security installation. He was released 15 months later, but was sent back after beating up a local boy during a burglary attempt. (laughs) After Haggard's release, he and Teague saw Lefty Frizzell in concert. After hearing Haggard sing, Along his song and backstage, Frizzell refused to sing unless Haggard was allowed to sing first. 
He sang songs that were well received by the audience. Because of this positive reception, Haggard decided to pursue a career in music. While working as a farmhand in the oil fields, he played in nightclubs. Married and plagued by financial issues, he was arrested in 1957 shortly after he tried to rob the Bakersfield Roadhouse. He was sent to Bakersfield Jail and after an escape attempt was transferred to Sam Quentin Prison on February 21, 1958. While in prison, Haggard learned that his wife was expecting another man's child, which uh, pressed him physiologically. He was fired from a series of prison jobs and planned to escape along another um, man named Nick. Uh, with another man named Rabbit, but was convinced not to escape by fellow inmates. While at Sam Quentin, Haggard started a gambling and brewing racket with a cellmate. After he was caught drunk, he was sent for a week in solitary confinement where he encountered Cal Chesman, an author, and a death row inmate. Meanwhile, Rabbit, had successfully escaped, only to shoot a police officer and be returned to San Quentin for execution. Chessman's predicament, along with the execution of Rabbit, inspired Haggard to change his life. He soon earned a high school equivalency diploma and kept a steady job in the prison's textile plant. He also played for the prison's country music band, attributing a performance by Johnny Cash at the prison on New Year's Day, 1959, as his main inspiration to join it. He was released from Sam Quentin on parole in 1960. <clears throat> Excuse me. In 1972, after Haggard had become an established country music star, then California Governor Ronald Reagan granted Haggard a full and unconditional pardon for his past crimes. Sing me song And then I'll 
And he said, I'm really scared. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm afraid someday I'm going to be out there and there's going to be some prisoner in there in the same time I was in, stand up, and they're going to be about a third row back down and say, what do you think you're doing, 45200? Cooper notes that the news had little effect on Haggard's career. It's unclear when they were when where or when Merle Haggard first acknowledged to the public that his prison songs were rooted in personal history. For to his credit, he doesn't seem to have many of a big splash announcement. In a, in, in a May 1967 profile in Music City News. His prison record was never mentioned, but in July 1968, in the very same publication, its spokesman of, as it would be common to uh, be common knowledge, the 1967 album Branded Man with the Strangers kicked off an artistically and commercially successful run for Haggard. In 2013, Haggard biographer David Cutwell stated, the immediate success to I'm a Lonesome Fugitive, Branded Man in 1967 and in 68, Sing Me Back Home and The Legend of Bonnie and Clyde were among the first albums of their res- respective years. Haggard's new recordings showcased his band, The Strangers, specifically Roy Nichols, Telecaster, Ralph Mooney, Steel Guitar, and the harmony vocals provided by Bonnie Owens. All the love you promised would be mine forever. I would have let my bottom well, it sure turned out to be a short forever Just once I turned my back and you were gone From now on, all my friends are gonna be strangers I'm all through ever trusting The only thing I can count on now is my fingers I was a fool believing in you And now you are gone Friends. 
are gonna be strangers I'm all through Ever trusting anyone The only thing I can count on now is my finger I was a fool believing in you Now you are gone. <laughs> At the time of Haggard's first top ten hit, My Friends Are Gonna Be Strangers, in 1965, Owens, who had been married to Buck Owens, was known as a solo performer, a fixture on the Bakersfield club scene, and someone who had appeared on television. She won the new Academy of Country Music's first-ever female vocalist after her 1965 debut album, Don't Take Advantage of Me, hit the top five on the country album's chart. However, Bonnie Owens had no further hit singles, and though she recorded six solo albums on Capitol between 1965 and 70, she became mainly known for her background harmonies on Haggard's hits such as Sing Me Back Home and Branded Man. Producer Ken Nelson took a hands-off approach to produce Haggard. In the episode of American Masters dedicated to him, Haggard remembers the producer, the producer I had at the time, Ken Nelson, was an exception to the rule. He called me Mr. Haggard and I was a little 24-year-old punk from Oledale. <laughs> he gave me complete responsibility. I think he'd uh, jump in and said, oh, you can't do that if it would be destroyed, if it would have destroyed me. In the documentary series Lost Highway, Nelson recalls, when I was first started recording Merle, I became so immured in with his singing that I forgot what else was going on. And I suddenly realized, wait a minute, there's musicians here you've got to worry about. But his songs, he was a great writer. Towards the end of the decade, Haggard composed several number one hits, including Mama Tried, The Legend of Bonnie and Clyde, <laughs> Hungry Eyes, and Sing Me Back Home. Daniel Cooper calls Sing Me Back Home a ballad that works on so many different levels of the soul it defies one's attempt to analyze it. In a 1977 interview in Billboard with Bob Eubanks, Haggard reflected even though the crime was, was brutal and the guy was an incorrigible criminal, it's a feeling you never forget when you see someone you know make that last walk. They bring him through the yard, and there's a guard in front and a guard behind. That's how you know a death prisoner. They brought Rabbit out, taking him to see the father prior to his execution. That was a strong picture that left in my mind. In 1969, Haggard's first tribute LP, Some Train, Different Time. A tribute to Jimmy Rogers was also released to acclaim. Haggard's songs attracted attention from outside country field. The Everly Brothers converted both 
Sing Me Back Home and Mama Tried on their 1968 country rock album, Roots. The following year, Haggard's songs were performed or recorded by various artists, including Glenn Parsons' incarnation of The Birds, who performed Sing Me Back Home on the Grand Ole Opry and recorded Life in Prison for their album, Sweet, uh, Sweetheart of the Rodeo. Singer-activist Joan Baez, who covered Sing Me Back Home, and Mama Tried. Crooner, our friend, Dean Martin, who recorded I Take a Lot of Pride in What I Am for his album of the same name, and The Grateful Dead, whose live cover of Mama Tried became a staple in their uh, repertoire till the band's end, 1995. Now, Mr. Producer, can you sing me back home? (laughs) The warden led a prisoner down the hallway to his doom. I stood up to say goodbye like all. And I heard him tell the warden Just before he reached my cell Let my guitar play in friend to my request Let him sing me back home With a song I used to hear And make And take me away And turn back the years And sing me back home Before I die I recall last Sunday morning A choir from off the streets Came in to sing And I heard him tell the singers There's a song my mama sang Could I hear it once Before you move along Let him sing me back home With a song I used to hear And make my Take me away And turn back the years And sing me back home Before I die Sing me back home Before I die Picture somebody walking yeah. to the gallery. No. Yeah. Sure wow. can. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, it was. 
Well, the original Rolling Stone review for Haggard and the Strangers' 1968 album, Mama Tried, Andy Wickman wrote, his songs romanticize the hardships and tragedies of America's transient proletarian and his success is resultant of the inherent ability to relate to his audience, a common experience with that was come, uh, occurring at the time. Excuse, I'm sorry, hold on. Precisely the right emotional pitch. Merle Haggard looks apart and sounds apart because he is the part. He's great. In 1969, Haggard and the Strangers released Okie from Muskogee with lyrics ostensibly reflecting the singer's pride in being from the middle America where people are conventionally patriotic, don't smoke marijuana, don't take LSD, don't protest by burning draft cards or otherwise challenge authority. In the ensuing years, Haggard gave varying statements regarding whether his, in, his intended the songs as a humorous satire or a serious political statement in support of conservative values. In a 2001 interview, Haggard called the song a documentation of the uneducated that live in America at the time. However, he made several other statements suggesting that he meant the song seriously. On the Bob Edwards show, he said, I wrote it when I was recently got out of the joint. I knew what it was like to lose my freedom, and I was getting really mad at these protesters. They didn't know anything more about the war in Vietnam than I did. I thought how my dad, uh, who was from Oklahoma, would have felt. I felt I knew how those boys were fighting in Vietnam felt. In the country music documentary series, Lost Highway, he elaborated, my dad passed away when I was nine, and I don't know if you've ever thought about somebody you've lost, and you'd say, I wonder what so-and-so would think about this. I was driving on Interstate 40, and I saw a sign that said, 19 miles to Muskogee. Muskogee was always referred to in my childhood as back home. So I saw that sign, and my whole childhood flashed before my eyes, and I thought, I wonder what my dad would think about the youthful uprising that was occurring at the time. The Janis Joplins. I understood him. I got along with it. But what if he was to come alive at this moment? And I thought, what a way to describe the kind of a people in America that are still sitting in the center of this country saying, What's going on on these campuses? In, a, in, in the American Masters documentary about him, he said, that's how I got into, the, uh, into it with the hippies. I thought they were unqualified to judge America, and I thought they were looking down their noses at uh, the thing that I cherish very much, and it pissed me off. I thought, you sons of bitches, if you've never been restricted away in a great, wonderful, wonderful country, and yet here you are in the streets bitching about things protesting a war that they don't even know much about, and they did. They weren't over there fighting that war any more than I was. Haggard began performing the song 
in concert in 1969 and was astounded at the reaction it received. Hokey from Muskogee is also generally described as Haggard's signature song. And now let's hear some Hokey music. We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. We don't take our trips on LSD. We don't burn our draft cards down on Main Street. Cause we like living right and being free. We don't make a party out of loving But we like holding hands and pitching woo We don't let our hair grow long and shaggy Like the hippies out in San Francisco do I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee, a place where even squares can have a ball. We still wave old glory down at the courthouse, and white lightning still the biggest thrill of all. Leather boots are still in style for manly footwear. Beads and Roman sandals won't be seen. And football's still the roughest thing on campus. And the kids here still respect the college dean. And I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee A place where even squares can have a ball We still wave old glory down at the courthouse White lightning still the biggest thrill of all And white lightning still Biggest thrill of all. Isn't that something? I love it. I like it. Well, the Haggard Camp knew they were on to something. Everywhere they went, Every show, Oki did more than prompt enthusiastic applause. There was an unanticipated accolation racing through the crowds now, standing ovations that went on and on, and sometimes left the audience and the band members alike teary-eyed. Merle had somehow stumbled upon a song that expressed previous fears, spoke out loud gripes, and anxieties otherwise only whispered. And now people were using his song, were using him, to connect themselves to these larger concerns and to one another. 
Taggart appeared on the cover of Time on May 6, 1974. He also wrote and performed the theme song to the television series Moving On, which in 1975 gave him The Strangers and other number one country hits. During the early mid-1970s, Haggard and The Strangers' country chart domination continued with songs such as Someday We'll Look Back, Grandma Hop, Always Wanting You, and The Roots of My Raisin. In 1981, Haggard published an autobiography, Sing Me Back Home. The same year, he alternately spoke and sang the ballad, The Man in the Mask, written by Dean Pitchford, whose other work includes Fame, Footloose, Sing, Solid Gold, and the musical Carrie. This was combined uh, combined narration and theme for the movie The Legend of the Lone Ranger, a box office flop. Haggard also changed record labels again in 1981, moving to Epic Records and releasing one of his most critically acclaimed albums, Big City, on which he was backed by the Strangers. Between 1981 and 1985, Haggard scored 12 more top-10 country hits, with nine of them reaching number one, including My Favorite Memory, Going Where the Lonely Go, Someday When Things Are Good, and Natural High. In addition, Haggard recorded two chart-topping duets with George Jones, Yesterday's Wine, in 1982, and Willie Nelson, Poncho, and Lefty, in 1983. Nelson believed in 1983 Academy Award-winning film Tender Mercies about the life of fictional singer Max Sledge was based on the life of Merle Haggard. Actor Robert Duvall and other filmmakers denied this and claimed the character was based on nobody in particular. Duvall, however, said he was a big fan of Haggard's. Now, there's so much more to this Merrill Haggard story, but there just isn't enough airtime to do it justice. This guy was unbelievable. To this man's success and failures. However, we do have some time for a little Eastern Files. Neil, can you tell us what's happening over at Eastern during the popularity of this man and his songs? Sure, Don. Wow, what a what a story about this talented <laughs> singer and writer. It is. It really is. Uh, you know, looking through uh, the files that uh, we have here about uh, Eastern Airlines, we've come up with many stories in the past, and I'm so glad that we're incorporating from the Eastern files into this uh, old-time radio series. I think uh, they go hand-in-hand. And uh, just looking through a few files, I just thought to myself, Neil, I think we ought to do a poem. So looking back over the years, I found one. Back in 1931, an issue of Newswing magazine, which was Eastern Air Transport at the time before they changed their name to Eastern Airlines. And here's... What someone, a passenger, on a Curtis Condor, wrote. 
I was all keyed up on flying, so I planned to take a trip. I went out to Newark Airport and got aboard a ship. It was a Curtis Condor of Eastern Air Transport Line. I was sitting by a window where I could see just fine. We taxied to the runway. The motors got the gas. Then, with a pretty takeoff, we were in the air at last. I looked out on the scenery which passed along below. Everything was so beautiful, and boy, how we did go. Then I looked about the cabin to see what was going on there and see how all the passengers were taking to the air. There was one compartment where you could have a smoke and talk with fellow passengers or even tell a joke. And in the next compartment, the hostess walked about and she was nice and sociable and gave refreshments out. Then there was a party who liked to play at cards, so she set up a table and filled in calls of odds. Soon we reached the Camden. We reached Camden where the condor was to land. It made a circle and a glide and gently touched the sand. There were a few passengers who were going to alight with smiles upon their faces, for they sure enjoyed the flight. The porter took the baggage and some mail bags checked for there. Then again, with some new passengers, we climbed into the air. Swiftly, we flew to Baltimore, where we made another stop. Then on again to Washington, where I finished my first hop. The modern way of travel, I'll say it sure is swell. And when I meet with some other people, the trip to them I'll tell. The kind and courteous service of the personnel was fine. And when again I travel, twill be on Eastern Air Transport Line. <laughs> I love it. The title of this poem is Air Minded by Albert Olson of Elizabeth, New Jersey, as he traveled aboard a Curtis Condor, Condor back in September of 1931. So there, I read a poem. That's a, you know, th- that's something that we should you should read sometime on Monday night also. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there are lots of poems that uh, folks have read uh, have written that uh, I think uh, maybe we'll do a poem or two in the future shows. Yeah. Go ahead, Don. That would be a good one. Dorothy, do you have anything about Monday night's show? Well, yes, actually, on Monday night, we're going to be a, a potpourri of Eastern memories and letters. Now, uh, of course, one of these letters is going to be about Captain Eddie and the letter itself is just beautiful. So, folks, join us on Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and listen to what he had to say. It was so touching that uh, I was very emotional reading it. It was a great letter. So you've got to hear this uh, letter that uh, Neil found. He said it one time on From the Eastern Files and I'm not sure if you folks were listening, but it's worth hearing again. And, of course, following that, 
We have the Malaysia Flight MH370 mystery that Neil is going to do some research on and give us a little information. So we have a lot of things going, folks, and remember that our website is always indicating what we're going to be doing from week to week. And also we have our e-blast that we send out to you. So we're keeping you and the other Eastern family going on with our legacy of Eastern Airlines. It hasn't stopped yet, and we hope it will never stop. So thank you, and back to you, Neil. Okay, well, that's that's our show for this week, folks, and we hope that uh, you're enjoying the artists uh, that we've been playing and the greatest recording artists during the Eastern series. We certainly enjoy spinning them on our turntable. Make sure you join us Thursday when we select another great singer with his or her songs along with a little Eastern sprinkled in. And don't forget, our microphones are always open to call us to join us on Monday, September 30th with memories and stories about our favorite airline, the one we call family and shared. Keeping our Eastern family informed is of the greatest importance to this radio show. Do you have a story or memory you'd like to share with our Eastern family? If so, we certainly want to hear from you. The Eastern Radio Show would like to broadcast it during one of our shows, either you sharing your memory live during a broadcast or send it to us and we'll broadcast your story on the air. You can send your request to host at EALradioshow.com. That's host at EALradioshow.com. We'll tell you what you need to do to have it read on the show. Until then, this is Don Gagnon, and on behalf of our producer, Captain Neil Holland, and my lovely wife, Dorothy, we sign off, as we always do after each broadcast, by saying, Goodbye, Eastern family. Thanks for listening. We love you, Eastern. Goodbye. We love you, Eastern. We love you, Eastern. Is anybody else on the air? (laughs) Well, we're going to land the aircraft, and we're going to go out with that first song of Merle's. Silver Wings. I love that song. Oh, that's, that is so here's, here's the touchdown, and we go to the Silver Wings. Good show, Neil. Thank you so Excellent. much. Thank you. Thanks so much.
left me standing here behind silver wings shining in the sunlight roaring engines headed somewhere in flight they're taking you away Great show. Thanks so much. I I think we should give Lawrence Welk a break on Monday night and play (laughs) Silver Wings when we go off the air. Don, we're going to do exactly that. We'll let Merle Haggard take over. It's too good not to hear. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great song. Okay. See you Monday night, guys. Okay. Okay. Talk later. Bye-bye. So long.